turn to the book of Philippians. I'd like to draw from that book tonight. In Acts 16, to get a little background, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were on their second missionary journey when they came to the chief city of Philippi, the Bible says. And there they were arrested, thrown into the prison for preaching the gospel, and their feet were fast in stocks, it says, and, and there they were, singing and praising God. They weren't pitying themselves. I doubt, I don't know if they sang, it's not an easy road. I, I doubt they even sang that. They, they, I think they were praising God. They were thanking God for being worthy to suffer for him. At midnight, they were singing praises. And all at once, there was an earthquake. You know the story, heard it. And the prison doors were opened and the chains fell off and people were free. That night, the jailer and all his house came to know the Lord. A church was born through song. Through singing. Let's read Philippians 1, a few verses here. And I'd like for you to note, especially verse 3. Um, I'm going to read just a, the first couple of verses here, and then we're going to just skim through some of the other here. Paul has a warm place in his heart for this church. He, re, he reminds in verse 2, Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, this is verse 3 now, upon every remembrance of you. Every time I think about you, I thank God for you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Every time I come to prayer, I think of you all and pray for you for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in the, my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And we could go on, but I want you just to note you can feel the warmth that comes from Paul's words to this church at Philippi. Yes, I have you in my mind, I have you in my prayers, and I have you in my heart, in essence, is what he's saying. And I, I think commendation is so important. Church leaders, I encourage you to do that. Commend your, your people. And um, tap a young person on the shoulder. And express appreciation for their attention to the message. And I want to commend you, young people. I, I think you've been with me. You've been listening. I see some of you taking notes. And that's tremendous. That's good. You haven't been looking through your... I, well, I didn't see it. You haven't been looking through your Bible, looking at old pictures or something like that, but you have been with me, and that's good. Keep it up. 
Perhaps some daddy struggling with his little child on his lap and not wanting to sit still and crying and just needs a little encouragement, right? Keep, keep on. It'll, it'll pay off. Well, that's what Paul was commending them for and, and, and blessing them. He just appreciated them so much. Paul was in bonds here. He said, even in my bonds, he was not, he was not a Roman prisoner. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's how he looked at it. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice verse 12 now. And this is, uh, this is one of the points I'd like to make. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. I want you to know that the happenings, the circumstances in my life have furthered the gospel. That's how he looked at it. These circumstances uh, have not taken away Paul's joy. But I want to tell you, circumstances can steal our joy if we let them. Joy stealer number one is circumstances. I don't know that that's the top. I don't know that I'd say it's, it's top. But people think, oh, if only I were married, oh, then I'd be happy. If only I wouldn't be sick feel good I, I I would be I would I would be joyful if only I had more money wouldn't be so poor I I know I I would I would be more joyful you know happiness is dependent on circumstances but joy comes from a deep relationship with Jesus Christ and uh, it's not dependent on that on these circumstances Paul didn't let the circumstances that he was in take away his joy. In fact, he looked at it as a furtherance of the gospel. It was for the furtherance of the gospel. Notice in verse 13, he says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. My chains, these chains are not holding me. They are actually, they actually help to further the gospel. They were for the, imagine being chained to a Roman guard 24-7. And I, I don't know how that all was, but very likely they, they probably changed off every eight hours. I don't know exactly. But can you imagine what went back to the palace guards? Whew. What a slave. What a prisoner. I mean, this man just talks to me. And I mean, he looked me up and, one, up and down one day, and he started, started with the helmet. He talked at the helmet of salvation, looked at my sword, sword of the spirit, <clears throat> and he started spiritualizing all this. Praise, sings, ah, oh, quite a prisoner. And this message went throughout the palace. And let me tell you, it, it was so powerful that some of Caesar's household came to know the Lord. 
That's what it says in the last part of the chapter, chapter 4, close to the end of this book. It says, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. I'd like to think that some of the palace staff, Caesar's household, came to know the Lord because Paul, of Paul's prison experience. Now, if Paul would have decided that, okay, I've got to go talk to Caesar, and I'm going to tell him if he don't repent, he's going to hell. And that's just the way it is. I mean, Caesar, you think he would have taken up with that? I mean, that approach can be all right at times, but God took him and used that circumstance to further the gospel. And brothers and sisters, let's allow the circumstances he brings our way, and he puts us in. Use them to further the gospel. I just love that. Because of Paul's example, though, I want you to note verse 14 and 15. Many of the brethren, verse 14, in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because of Paul's prison experience and his boldness in preaching the gospel there, many of the brethren in the church there, at Philippi, were encouraged to do the same. You talk about positive peer pressure. Here it is, a good example of it. Paul was not praying for deliverance. No, he was praying for boldness to speak the word without fear. I think he, pre he says that here in one place. I don't have it right here, but I think it was in another chapter. Waxing confident and became more bold because of him. Paul's secret. What was Paul's secret? Here he was, sitting in prison, chained to a Roman guard, and he is just so joyful. Over and over, you see this word joy, rejoicing, uh, in this book, and it's just full of it. What was Paul's secret? I'd like to suggest, and it could be various verses, but verse 21 of this chapter, probably the smallest verse in it, but a very powerful verse. Verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In fact, he goes on to say, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm sort of in a straight betwixt two. I'm, a, I'm in a hard place. I'd really like to go be with the Lord, but I really feel like I ought to stay because of you all. I just, I just have such a warm place in my heart for you, but I'd really like to go be with the Lord. And Paul didn't have cancer. And Paul, Paul was not aged. And, and, and Paul was full of life. And I don't know how old he was. But he had such a desire. He says, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He had a single mind. Single vision. That is what I'm living for. For me to live is Christ. That was his goal. Life is whatever makes you come alive. What excites you? Too many, this motto might read, For me to live is money, and to die is is to leave a fat bank account behind. 
for people to fight over. For me to live is fame, prestige, and to die is to be forgotten. For me to live is hunting. Uh, I'm not against hunting. Don't get me wrong. I'm just throwing that in. But what are you living for? And to die is to leave all those trophy bucks behind. And you, you put it in there. When you get to the end of life, what's going to be left if you don't know Christ? Not much. Not much. If you don't know Christ, but if you know Christ, there is so much more to look forward to. For me to live is Christ, Paul said. And that ought to be our goal as well. Don't let circumstances rob you of your joy. Have a single mind for me to live is Christ. Joy stealer number two in chapter two. I'm going to read verses one through five. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, or since there is consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, or since there is comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of a mind was that? Goes on to say how that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. I'd like to say it was a submissive mind. He humbled himself. Well, joy stealer number two, people, others, people. Paul even faced it in chapter one. We didn't read all of that. There were some warblers. There were some uh, Judaizers that came on behind him and preached that you've got to be Got to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul said, no. The grace of God has appeared and uh, supersedes the law. Paul did not let people rob him of his joy. And instead, he tells us here in chapter 2 that we are to focus on serving others. Get your mind off of what they're doing and serve him. Others first. We're to think others better than ourselves. Don't let people take away your joy. We need a submissive mind. We're to submit ourselves one to another, the Bible says, in the fear of God. Too many people are allowing other people, people, to control them. They're jealous, they're envious, they're bitter, and they think, oh, if I just had different parents, I, I'd be happy. Oh, that church of mine. Oh, they are 
All you want to talk about is clothes and... Ugh. And that... Well, I'm just putting some scenarios up. People rob, can rob us of our joy, but they don't have to. There were two women. I'm sorry, ladies. Here, here's a, an example for us right here in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 2. Paul actually points out there's two women in the church. I, I beg Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Two women, these were women. He said, urge them, beg them that they get along. Somehow, I don't know what was happening, but there was a rift in the church, and he said, help those women. Help them to get along. Help them to see that, yeah, help them to be willing to submit. <clears throat> don't let people rob you of your joy. But humble yourself. Allow the submissive mind to take control. Submit yourself to God, to each other. And I think that's a key. Joy Stealer number three, chapter three. We're just going to breeze through here quickly. There's so much we're missing, but I'd like to particularly think about some of these joy stealers. In, in chapter three, Paul gives his pedigree, so to speak. He, he talks about some of the things that he had in the flesh. I'm going to start in verse 4. For I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Things can rob us of our joy. Things, people, circumstances, and things. They don't have to. They didn't for Paul. Paul said, oh, I had a tremendous education. He was talented. He had a PhD, if you'd be, if he, you know, like they say today. He was disciplined. He had charisma. But he found that these things didn't bring him joy. Notice he says in verse 9, I'm being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. All that I may know him. That's what I want to know. Back to verse 21 of chapter 1, remember? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, 
being made conformable unto his death. Things can rob us of our joy, but it sure didn't Paul. Oh, if I could have a new house, I would be happy. A new car or a four-wheeler or a higher education or a better job. But things don't bring joy. Joy comes in knowing Christ, being clothed with his righteousness, and living for him. The knowledge of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, fellowshipping with Christ, becoming like Christ. Resurrection power. Well, what's the secret to having joy in spite of things? Well, the Bible tells us, go back to uh, verse 19 and 20. The enemies of Christ, Paul says in verse 19. The enemies of Christ mind earthly things, whose end is destruction, verse 19, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. But verse 20 is our secret. For our conversation is in heaven. We need a spiritual mind. Heavenly things. We think uh, we, we need a spiritual mind. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't mind earthly things. We mind spiritual things. We worship God in the Spirit, as it says in verse 3, I believe it is, of this chapter. We are the ones who worship God in the Spirit. Allow the spiritual mind, your spiritual mind, to take your focus off of things and on to heavenly things. These things will pass away. They don't bring us joy at all. No, they don't. <clears throat> don't allow things to hinder you in your walk with God. I love these next few verses. Verse 12. Well, verse 11. Let's just read if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. You know, Jesus Christ got a hold of me. Yes, he did. He apprehended me. And I'm going to follow after. This is a hunting term. This is not just a, you know, sure, hope I make it. <laughs> You know, just going to coast right into glory. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's a hunting term. What does it say in the German, you German readers? But I follow after. Isn't it something like, Ich yogi I'm no? Chasing after. It's, it's like a, it's like a hunter that is chasing after his prey. Christian life is not one of complacency. Hope I make it. But we press, I press toward the mark. That's the point Paul is making here. I want you to press for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's another picture here in verse 13. A picture of an athlete. 
Let's read it. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived, but, but I'm not satisfied. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is a picture of, a, of an athlete, of uh, an Olympic runner. He's running the race. He has taken off everything that hinders this, him in his race, and he is sprinting for all he is worth. He is stretched out, and the ribbon lies ahead, and he is almost there, and as he gets close, he leaps out over in the ribbon, and he, 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 he finishes. That's... That's the picture of how you and I are to run the Christian life. Pressing. I want you to note, here it says, forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth into those things which are before. Oh, don't let those things from your past keep you from going on. Don't let your past hinder you in your walk with the Lord. I've seen way too many, even older people, carry baggage from their past years, years they've carried this baggage of bitterness and jealousy and envy and, and they've carried this and Keeps him from reaching the goal. Keeps him from pressing on like they ought to. Christian life is a focused life. I press toward the mark. It's a high calling. Forget those things which are behind. We must deal properly with our past. Don't let it haunt you. Take care of it. Repent. Joy stealer number four in chapter four. Let's go there now. Chapter 4, is found in verse 6. It's going to jump in there. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Worry. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious over anything. Worry can take away your joy. It does for a lot of people. And you know the secret to having joy in spite of worry is verse 7. And let the peace of God which passeth all understanding, it shall keep your hearts and minds. You need a secure mind. Secure it in Christ. Secure it in Christ. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it govern. Let it be like the governor in your, like in a motor, the governor. Let it rule your heart. Let it umpire your heart. Let it, um, yeah, guard your heart. The peace of God. Keep your heart, your, your feelings and your thoughts, your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful. For nothing. Careful has the idea of being pulled apart in different directions. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't panic. 
But, and then he gives us several things here in this chapter. And I think it's good for those of us who deal with anxiety. How do we deal with this? Don't let it take your joy away. No, don't. Let the peace of God just rule in your heart. If you don't have peace about something, take care of it. Let that be your governor. Let that keep you and guard you. Let it be your umpire. Verse 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand. The way I understand that word moderation let your forbearance, your sweet reasonableness, some might say your gentleness, don't, don't be too hard on people. Be careful how, how you judge other people. Let your forbearance be known unto all men because the Lord is coming back. And how would you like to be judged? How would you like to be handled? The Lord is coming back soon. Be careful. Let your moderation be known unto all men. And perhaps it was because of some of these relationship problems they were having. Yodius and Sintichi here in verse 2. I don't know. But he just encourages them to let the joy of the Lord, just rejoice in the Lord. Don't let worry rob you of your joy. But stay secure in Christ. Settle it. Let the peace of Christ, God, rule in your hearts. So we need to judge rightly. We need to uh, pray rightly. Look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Bring it to God in prayer. I remember, and I, 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 just, I just remember it so plainly, being at a prison walking in a prison there in Belize City. And there in the chapel, all by himself, sat a black man singing, What a friend we have in Jesus. And he just sang. And I was so impressed. There he was in prison, but he was free. And he was taking his burdens to the Lord in prayer. Let's just sing a verse of it, can't we? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. We often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Take it to God. Every Everything by prayer. Notice that. It says everything by prayer. Take those worries and take those cares and cast your cares on him for he careth for you. 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Learn to thank God for your situation. Focus on all your blessings in Christ. And I think that will change. Well, verse 8 gives us another recipe for overcoming worry. You've got to think right. Think right. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Someone has said, if you think right, you'll go right. I think there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of people are thinking wrong. They, 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 they don't, they, they're imagining a lot of things. Someone has said 92% of things people worry about are imaginary. Not even real. But think things that are true, thoughts that are true. I am amazed at how many, uh, you, it, it can happen so quick in the body of Christ if we're a little edgy and a little overly sensitive. All that has to happen is two sisters talking or two brothers and they're back there talking and you come up on that conversation and all of a sudden they quit. And you know what you think? Uh-huh, they were talking about me. Yeah, <laughs> And you sort of look at each other and you avoid each other and you walk out. But you have no idea if that's how it was. But that's how you, and that thing can just go on and on. You can feed that. Of course, we need to be careful, don't we? But make sure it's true <laughs> before you feed that. And uh, thoughts that are honest, honorable, not cheap or worthless. Thoughts that are just, right, worthy of respect, pure, morally free, not offensive, not suggestive of evil. Thoughts of good report. Thoughts worth talking about, appealing, fit to bring into the presence of God. Since there are virtuous things to think about and since there are praiseworthy thoughts, we want to commend these to you. Think on these things. Think on these things. Verse 9, yeah. Right living. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Teachers know that in order to really learn well, it helps if they write it down and they see it, they work it out, they see it with their eyes, and they do it. Hear it, see it, then do it, work it out, and God will give you peace. Brothers and sisters, tonight, don't let worry take away your joy but secure your hearts in the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the joy of the Lord 
be your strength. I want to encourage you with that. The people of God ought to be the most joyful people in all the world. They really should be. There's no reason for it. Brothers and sisters, will you kneel with me in prayer?